Hello everyone, welcome back to the Black and Red Book Review Podcast. For those of you joining me for the very first time, welcome. My name is Doc. I am a, an apothecary, a union man, a troublemaker, and an all-around anti-fascist hobo based out of so-called New England. And on this podcast, I normally rate, read, review, critique, and mock white nationalists and neo-Nazi literature. I would normally use my catchphrase or my... Uh, there's a term for that. I forget because I'm a hack and a fraud, but like a slogan or, or a pithy statement that I read this shit so that other people don't have to. But in this case, I don't actually have any literature for you here. Uh, this is not any part of a regular scheduled season. Of course, I will be premiering the beginning of season four uh, at the towards the end of October around Samhain or so. But here in front of me, I have a few bits of legal news that I thought might be worth discussing and that I had the audacity to imagine some folks would be interested in hearing about. So, as you know, this podcast covers the literature and the favorite authors and influential figures within the white nationalist and neo-Nazi spaces and scene and so forth. Uh, And those people are, of course, constantly, constantly grifting off of each other constantly snitching on each other, constantly, you know, fucking each other's wives, and just all in all being their own worst enemies. Uh, They are deeply connected to the American law enforcement system, uh, and unfortunately, despite being deeply connected to the law enforcement system, they're also constantly getting arrested because they can't stop doing crimes, even though... Uh, They are, of course, as I said, deeply uh, hand-in-hand with American law enforcement. You won't be too hard-pressed to find, for example, white power prison gangs that uh, have bought off the guards and so forth. Uh, You'll commonly see cops with white nationalist tattoo art and so on. Um, But in this case, uh, both of these cases, really, are examples of white nationalists who are doing stupid crimes playing stupid games, and winning stupid prizes. Uh, So please keep in mind as well before I continue that this is not a doxing podcast. Uh, I'm not anti-doxing by any means. Um, But doxing is not normally within the purview of this podcast as the authors that I cite and make fun of and explain about their histories of domestic violence and snitching and, and lying about military service and so on. Uh, Generally, the authors are public figures, And in this case, the uh, alleged criminals uh, that I'm going to be discussing today are also public figures, as this is all cited in public documentation, which I just so happen to have right in front of me. So the first case we're going to be discussing today involves good friends, friend of the pod, uh, National Socialist, excuse me, Nationalist Social Club. Their name is a joke. Uh, based on the fact that they are Nazis who burn swastikas in fields in the middle of nowhere in uh, New Hampshire. Uh, but Nationalist Social Club 131, which is sort of a... They, they're not really sure what they're trying to be from the looks of them. Uh, they're half a, like a white power skinhead street gang and half a white nationalist political organization. And they tend to go back and forth on which of these they're doing at any time. Uh, They're very tactically confused people, which is very sad, and we hate to see it here. But uh, 
one of their members, a man by the name of Richard Ackerman, that's Richard Ackerman, A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N, uh, was arrested in a series of hilariously stupid events, which I'm sure that my listeners are familiar with. So for those of you who have been under a rock for the past two and a half years, uh, a bunch of Trump fans and white nationalists and so forth did their best to stage a putsch uh, of the United States government, who are not uh, friends of the podcast, as you may have figured out by now. No fans of the American empire and the American state here at the Black and Red Book Review podcast. That being said, we're also not a big fan of white nationalists and neo-Nazis or MAGA cultists who are trying to make their guy president for life in a putsch, which is exactly what happened on the 6th of January, 2021, which is one of those dates that I was alive for as I was for 9-11, but I will always remember better than I remember 9-11. January 6th is not my 9-11. I would consider that to be the Charlottesville attack. Um in terms of a spurring, motivating event that uh, people are generally aware of and is in the public memory. But January 6th was a real interesting thing to uh, live through and to observe and to watch, especially for Richard Ackerman, who allegedly did a hell of a lot more <laughs> than just observe and uh, you know watch along with the rest of us. According to the affid... affid uh, I'm sorry, I'm not a lawyer. Affidavit that's here in front of me. Uh, I have a statement of facts here from a man named Brett Fernald, who is a police officer in the city of Manchester, New Hampshire, according to the sworn document in front of me. He has been so since April 2013. Uh, in June 2019, he states that he was assigned to the Special Enforcement Division as a task force officer with the FBI. In his main duties, he investigated and supported operations involving national security matters and federal criminal violations that include international and domestic terrorism. So again, this guy is not a friend of the podcast either. I'm sure he would consider me at least a suspect in dozens of things, if not out and out an Antifa super soldier terrorist who may or may not be tied to the IRA as well. Uh, so yeah, fuck fuck this cop. A cab, of course. Uh <laughs> He states that he is tasked, uh, this is obviously an old document, with investigating criminal activity in and around the Capitol grounds on January 6, 2021. As a task force officer, he is authorized by law or by a government agency to engage in or supervise the prevention, detection, investigation, or prosecution of a violation of federal criminal laws. Uh, he, he lays out some of the security at the Capitol and then states that the Capitol was raided by a bunch of Trump fans. Uh, and so here, here we go. Uh, During national news coverage of the aforementioned events, video footage which appeared to be captured on mobile devices of persons present on the scene depicted evidence of violations of local and federal law, including scores of individuals inside the U.S. Capitol building without authority to be there. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to trust that the people you elect are just going to do whatever you tell them to do. That's how republics work in theory. It's an idea that made sense in the 1700s, less so now. Uh, I'm more of a fan of direct democracy whenever possible, of course. Uh, Richard Ackerman is not a fan of, of democracies or equality of any kind, as uh, 
we can verify from the fact that he's a member of NSC 131. Anyway, we'll continue here under the underlined heading, identification of Richard Zachary Ackerman. So before, you know, the liberals get upset and start wringing their hands and NSC starts sending me death threats on Twitter or, or what have you. I am not doxing Richard Zachary Ackerman. Richard Zachary Ackerman is listed in this sworn statement by this cop related to his federal case. I am simply doing my due diligence and reporting on the alleged federal crimes of Richard Zachary Ackerman. As part one of this episode, uh, there will be a part two, fear not. So, Richard Zachary Ackerman allegedly did these things. Quote, On or about January 8th, 2021, the FBI received an online tip that included a picture of what was believed to be a U.S. Capitol Police helmet defaced with a sticker affixed to the helmet. The helmet is black with U.S. Capitol Police lettering in white on the backside of the helmet. A small circular sticker with the words New England 131 along with a black flag appears to have been placed on the helmet above the lettering. Uh, it's not an anarchist black flag. It's a the fascists, who are, of course, not very creative people, have historically used black flags as well, going all the way back to Mussolini. So that's not surprising here. Quote, Based on my training and experience, I know that New England 131 refers to the, quote, National Nationalist Socialist Club 131, NSC 131 for short, and the White Defense Force. The 131 is a reference to the alphabet letters ACA, which stands for Anti-Communist Action. The group had previously been known as the, quote, New England Nationalist Club and the, quote, New England National Conservative Society Club. Jesus fuck, guys. <laughs> National Conservative Society Club. Are you a society or are you a club? I thought this was a gang. What the fuck is going on? All right. Glad they settled on uh, the not at all niche and confusing NSC 131 for a name. None of these names are good. Uh, these guys are not good at naming names. And I suppose when Chris Hood wraps them all up and sends them all to federal prison for a long time, uh, that none of their dumb name choices will actually matter. Uh, so anyway, continuing. Quote. According to open source media searches, big fan of those, NSC 131 is a neo-Nazi group with small autonomous regional chapters in the United States and abroad, whose members see themselves as soldiers at war with a hostile Jewish-controlled system that is deliberately plotting the extinction of the white race. In 2021, a confidential human source, referred to as CHS-1, cooperating with the FBI, reported attending a gathering with other NSC-131 members. CHS-1 does not have any pending charges and was not, quote, working off charges at any relevant time. CHS-1's FBI handler reported to me that CHS-1 has consistently provided reliable information. CHS-1 reported that during the course of the gathering, an NSC member known online as Zach Parker stated that he was at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021 and found a U.S. Capitol police helmet on the ground. CHS-1 reported that Zach Parker stated that he placed the New England 131 sticker on the helmet before taking a photograph of the helmet. CHS-1 also reported that Zach Parker said during the gathering that he still had the helmet at his residence. So, for those of us who are keeping score on our proverbial cork boards, there is a confirmed federal informant within the ranks of NSC-131. 
So for those of you who are fans of NSC 131 who are listening to this podcast, for the white nationalists and neo-Nazi scumbags who are listening to this podcast, and I know some of you do, someone in NSC 131 is confirmed in a sworn testimony document from this cop in New Hampshire to be a snitch. Now, I may not be, you know, a lawyer or a detective or anything like that. Um, I'm a simple apothecary. But I would assume that whoever this New Hampshire-based cop is is, uh, familiar with as a snitch is probably someone in Massachusetts or New Hampshire or Vermont, most likely. That's where most NSC members live. Now, uh, there is a Connecticut-based NSC member going online as the Harati, otherwise known as Daniel Perry. He took the name and face of the uh, subway strangler in New York for a while. He may be the confidential human source slash snitch here. Or he may not be. I don't know. I'm not alleging that this man is a snitch as I do not engage in uh, snitching or in uh, defamation on this podcast or otherwise. However, it is confirmed in this document that someone from NSC is a snitch who is talking to the FBI. So the neo-Nazi and white nationalist scum that listen to this podcast might want to deal with that. So keep that in mind if you're planning Nazi shit with these guys. On May 21st, 2021, CHS1 provided law enforcement provided law enforcement provided law enforcement of a screenshot of a text conversation on the communication platform telegram between users identified as New Englander and Mew MEU MEW rather in the conversation Mew posted the following messages tell Ackerman I said hi and quote don't you think the police would want that helmet back though so uh, if you're, again, the users known as New Englander and Mew were screenshotted and snitched on by a third party who is a member of NSC. You heard it here first, folks. So continuing here, laying out the case. In July of 2021, Richard Zachary Ackerman flew to Germany. On August 25th, 2021, Ackerman entered the United States at Boston Logan International Airport on a return flight from Germany. While going through customs and being admitted back into the country, a secondary inspection was conducted on Ackerman by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Among other things, the inspection confirmed that Ackerman lived on Lake Street in Salem, New Hampshire. While speaking with CBP officers, Ackerman stated that he had traveled to Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. Ackerman confirmed that... Oh, for... Let me stop you right here. Richard Zachary Ackerman, if you should be listening to this podcast, and this advice goes for anyone who would be listening to this podcast, do not talk to cops under any circumstances. Tell them you're remaining silent. Tell them you will not speak without a lawyer present and stop talking after that. Repeat yourself if you need to, but do not answer any questions and wait until the lawyer gets there. Do not just start spilling the beans immediately to the first cop that looks at you wrong. Okay, very frustrating here. Continuing, Ackerman claimed that another individual took a picture of the helmet and posted it on Telegram. Ackerman denied taking the helmet home with him. Ackerman consented to a search of his cell phone, which the document lays out was an Apple iPhone 11 Pro Max. 
oh uh, yeah an iphone kid uh, yeah typical anyway uh on january 6 2021 ackerman texted with an individual identified in the phone as i Luz. a portion of the conversation is below ackerman i'm going down to dc today Luz. oh cool have fun if I get shot down there, just remember that I thought highly of you, etc., etc. Basically laying out that he's texting people saying he's going to D.C. Uh, he, and then that he's in D.C., that he's on top of the Capitol. Uh, someone tells him not to get arrested. He won't be able to be a Marine. Uh, <laughs> Ackerman says by text, quote, I stole a SWAT team officer's helmet attachment. And the attachment uh, apparently does not include an attached image, thanks to Telegram policies, I guess. Oh, well, look at that. Uh, Ackerman sent a selfie of himself wearing a Capitol Police helmet to another individual on January 7th with the caption, I was there yesterday and the helmet is my war trophy from the SWAT team. (laughs) So he talked to cops. He consented to a search of his phone. They found evidence of him saying, ha ha, I did the crime. Here's photographs of me doing the crime. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, pretty open and shut case. So here's the cop continuing in his sworn testimony. Quote, on June 8th, 2022, I obtained a warrant to search Ackerman's residence in Salem, New Hampshire. The following day, agents executed the warrant. Agents knocked on the door. And an individual who identified himself as Richard Ackerman, Ackerman's father, opened the door. Richard Ackerman confirmed that Ackerman lived at the residence but was not there at the moment. Richard Ackerman called Ackerman and informed Ackerman that agents had a warrant to search for the possession of stolen government property. Ackerman stated over the phone that the helmet was located inside the fireplace in his basement bedroom. I went into... The basement bedroom located the fireplace and found a U.S. Capitol Police helmet tucked inside the chimney flue. <laughs> so, <laughs> cops show up. Uh, they talk to his dad. His dad calls him. Uh, Ackerman says, yep, I definitely stole federal property. Federal property's in my bedroom. You can go get it. And they go get it. And uh, Ackerman is apparently scandalized that he was arrested. Uh Wow, that is a that's a real dipshit looking kid in this photo in front of me. Uh, he looks like a rich kid who lives in Salem, New Hampshire. Uh, very, very typical. None of these guys are wearing masks, of course, except for Ackerman, who briefly has a skull mask. There's a screen. There's a screenshot from a video of Ackerman putting on the helmet with his mask off on this video. Uh, people are like, you know, tracing his clothing and such. Uh, his very distinctive uh, black and red, uh, like, I forget, the, it's on one of those, like, lumberjack-type shirts. I forget the word of the material that I'm looking for. Uh, but, yeah, this is a, a pretty open and shut case. You see plenty of uh, photographs here of him at the Capitol trying to do a putch, failing to do a putch, uh, mostly because he's relying on the... Notorious loyalty and decisiveness and uh, reliability of the American far right and white nationalist scenes. And it looks like this cop has got a pretty open and shut case. Uh, wrapping up this document here is a copy of an arrest warrant with Richard Zachary Ackerman. That's once again Richard Zachary Ackerman, A C K E R M A N, 
who is uh, facing charges, the following charges, obstruction of law enforcement during civil disorder, assault, resist, oppose, impede with a person engaged in performance of official duties, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted, bu- restricted building or grounds, and of course, theft of government property. So, uh, yeah, Richard Zachary Ackerman, that's A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N of Salem, New Hampshire, is currently facing federal charges. And I am not aware of any attempts by Richard Zachary Ackerman to snitch on NSC at this time. Uh, He is probably doing that or probably doing his best to reduce his time in federal prison. Uh, by cutting a deal and informing on Chris Hood and Harati and the other members of NSC. But keep in mind, independent of any such moves that may or may not be made by Richard Zachary Ackerman, that's Ackerman, A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N, independent of Richard Zachary Ackerman's possible snitching on NSC, this affidavit from from a New Hampshire cop confirms that there is a confidential informant, which you and I would know as a snitch, operating within the confines of NSC 131. So you heard it here first. Nationalist Social Club, NSC 131, who can't decide if they're a white power skinhead street gang or a political white nationalist uh, group of uh, scumbags, like a more William Pierce-type situation going on. Uh, They can't seem to decide that. They tend to go back and forth. So anyway, moving forward here, we come to the second item that I have on the agenda for you fine folks today. And this is brought to us from Friends of the Pod, Patriot Front. Now, Patriot Front, uh, they're trying to be a sort of... They're still white nationalists, of course. uh, But they're trying to present a veneer of like paleo-conservative respectability... They want to go back to like the 1800s type situation. And, you know, their leader's a rich kid that lives in a Dallas suburb. And, uh, you know, Tommy Rousseau, uh, he wears a cowboy hat. He grew himself a beard recently, so he looks like less of a skinny little dipshit. Uh, And, uh, yeah, they mostly hold marches and uh, charge outrageous dues to their members and run around posting up stickers and then posting pictures of the stickers on social media. Uh, so Tommy Rousseau's doing good. He's at the top of the pyramid, of course. Everyone else is just kind of, like, following in his cult of personality. Personally, if I were an older bonehead, if I were from, like, the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, like the William Pierce Turner Diaries era, and I found myself following an organization like Patriot Front, I would just be fucking embarrassed. I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror and tell anyone what a tough guy I was. Uh, and apparently, uh, the not the... Patriot Front guys resort to statements and uh, tactics, let's say, like the one that's going on directly in front of me. So, uh, the situation that our friends at Patriot Front are in is very laughable. So, uh, there is a lawsuit sitting that I also have the document here for, from the Western District of Washington, United States District Court. There are, there. Uh, so the backstory here, is that a guy by the name of David Capito uh, managed to in, to break through uh, Patriot Front's OPSEC and their 
uh, anti-anti-fascist security measures in order to infiltrate their organization's meetings, uh, which he apparently did very successfully. And instead of simply uh, showing up at his house and trying to terrorize him and do fascist thug things, they decided to do rich suburban white kid things and sue the guy. (laughs) So, unfortunately, what our friends at Patriot Front did not realize is if they're trying to protect themselves from doxing and intimidate other anti-fascists from uh, using intelligence techniques to obtain intelligence against our enemies... uh, it was probably not a good idea to sue him because by suing him, they're subject to the discovery process and they go on court records that you can look up. And keep in mind, I did not look up this document. I didn't have to go to a courthouse. I didn't have to call a lawyer. I just found, about, found out about this on the news and just downloaded a PDF of this court document. So just like with our last document, This is not a doxing podcast. The names I'm about to list off for you here are the plaintiffs in a case that is currently sitting in the Western District of Washington. Those individuals are as follows. Paul Goncars, Paul Goncars, G-A-N-C-A-R-Z, Daniel Turecci, T-U-R-E-T-C-H-I, Colton Brown, that's Colton, C-O-L-T-O-N, Brown, and James and Amelia Johnson, who are husband and wife, uh, and they are suing this fine gentleman. Let's go through the complaint here, shall we? Plaintiffs, by this complaint, seek redress for the particular and severe harms Defendant Capito has inflicted on them. At a deeper level, This complaint seeks to vindicate the rule of law and basic principles of free expression for persons who espouse unpopular opinions. This is the classic liberal anti-anti-fascism of what about my freeze peach, bro? Uh, Continuing here. Plaintiffs are members of or have affiliation with an organization called Patriot Front, whose mission is to, quote, reforge our people born to this nation of our European race as a new collective capable of asserting our right to cultural independence. So again, not doxing these guys. They are listed in this document as, quote, members of or having affiliation with an organization called Patriot Front. (laughs) So once again, uh, let's go back here and list off the names of the following Patriot Front members who have outed themselves through big brain genius moves. Paul Goncars, G-A-N-C-A-R-Z, Daniel Turecci, T-U-R-E-T-C-H-I, Colton Brown, and James and Amelia Johnson who are suing in the Western District of Washington, U.S. District Court. So they are based in uh, Washington State, and those are their names, and they are listed in this court document as affiliated with Patriot Front. (laughs) I love this point. Defendant Capito and those who have aided and abetted him, however, do not believe that persons affiliated with the Patriot Front have rights of confidentiality or indeed any First Amendment rights at all. More specifically, as explained in this complaint, the person infiltrated Patriot Front using a false identity and later gained unauthorized access to confidential information about the plaintiffs from Patriot Front's computer databases. 
With the assistance and possible prior cooperation of organizations such as Distributed Denial of Secrets, this confidential information was then widely published and used to harass and threaten the plaintiffs with the aim and result of doxing them and other Patriot Front members and causing them serious harm, including loss of their job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, None of these people apparently are from Washington State. Uh, Their residents are thankfully and helpfully listed in this document as well. Once again, not doxing these guys. This is all in the document that's right in front of me and filed in court. Paul Goncars, G-A-N-C-A-R-Z, is a resident of Virginia. And before this action, Mr. Goncars was a civil engineer. Once again, G-A-N-C-A-R-Z, a civil engineer in Virginia. Uh, Daniel Turechi, T-U-R-E-T-C-H-I, a resident of Pennsylvania. Uh, Before these actions, he was working as a real estate agent in Maryland. So if you're in Maryland and you bought real estate from a guy named Turechi, you bought it from a Patriot Front member. Uh, He was discharged from the real estate brokerage where he was employed as a real estate agent and was unable to associate with any other brokerage. Plaintiff Colton Brown, at this time, is a resident of Virginia. Before this, he was an electrician's assistant in Washington State. Uh, He may or may not have been union. We can check on that, of course. James Johnson uh, was a resident of Washington State. Uh, He was a union HVAC technician. He lost uh, benefits and a third of his income as a result of uh, doxing, allegedly. Uh, Amelia Johnson uh, was a resident of Washington State. She had a job that is not listed for some reason. Apparently, women having jobs is not that important to this lawyer. So that's good to know. Uh, uh, we're not going to go into the the history laid out in this document of the glorious anti-fascist uh, partisan hero who outed these scumbags, including at least one uh, union man uh, who was, of course, a white nationalist scab and a total dipshit. Uh, basically, this person allegedly deliberately infiltrated this computer and got all of their information. And the lawyers here for this, who have taken Patriot Front on of their clients, probably deserve to be named and shamed as well. They are the Hogue Law Firm under Christopher M. Hogue, H-A-G-U-E, and Glenn Allen Law, who is hiring, filing something called a Pro Hoc Vice from Glenn Allen Law, Glenn Allen, A-L-L-E-N, based out of uh, Baltimore, Maryland. They are attorneys for the plaintiffs who are, of course, white nationalist neo-Nazi scumbags. So Christopher Hogue and Glenn Allen will take Nazi money to do Nazi shit for Nazis. So that's good to know. Uh, And, of course, it's not defamatory for me to say that they are being paid by Nazis to do Nazi shit and represent the interests of Nazis. That is, again, in this publicly available court document that these fine, upstanding gentlemen of the law have uh, so graciously decided to make public. So there you have it, folks. Uh, NSC is riddled with at least one snitch that is confirmed by a court document. Patriot Front has accidentally unveiled numerous members of their network by simply making their names publicly available for anyone who happens to want to look at them or listen to this podcast. Thank you very much for sticking with me. Please don't talk to cops. 
Don't answer questions without an attorney present. Don't consent to a search of your cell phone. And definitely, definitely don't try to punish someone and keep your information secure by publicly suing them. Until next time, I have been your host, Doc. I will see you at the season premiere just around Samhain. And in the meantime, I will see you in the streets.